Please join me as I pray. Gracious Father, we come before you this morning on this Christ the King Sunday. We are grateful that we have a King and Lord and Savior over all. You know everything that we brought in this morning, the things weighing heavy on our hearts, on our minds. Lord Jesus, would you come and as we open your word, would you, would you bring uh, the truth of your goodness and grace, your peace, your strength to us today? Challenge us where we need to be challenged. Encourage us where we need to be encouraged. Lift us up where we need that. But in all of this, we make our prayer, come Holy Spirit. For we cannot be changed more into your image, Jesus, without the powerful work of your Spirit among us. So we still our hearts and our minds and pray, come Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. Please be seated. Well, lots of people have been asking me, what did you do? Why is this contraption here? Well, all I can say is this is what happens when Arkansas beats my team Ole Miss. <laughs> now, it's not. I, I wish I had a good story. Someone told me after the first service, they said, you got to come up with a really good story. Like you wrestled an alligator and he got the best of you. Well, I wish I could, but no, I just tore my rotator cuff and had surgery last week. So uh, I, I'm well on the mend. Um, But anyway, this morning, it is good to be here to gather on this Christ the King Sunday. We're going to be looking at Psalm 47 that we just read together a moment ago. Because, friends, one of the things that we need to be reminded of, not just on this Sunday, but every day of our lives, is that there is one God, one Lord, one King, and His name is Jesus Christ. Amen? That makes all the difference in the world with everything that you and I face that comes through our doors every single day. There's a book that I keep on my desk. It's titled Every Moment Holy. It's a book of liturgies for ordinary moments that that you and I do through the day. And Dustin reminded me the other day that at the very end of it, the last liturgy prayer is a prayer to Christ the King of creation. And I want to read a part of that to set this up this morning. So this liturgy begins with, Our thoughts of you, O Lord, have been too small, too few. For seldom have we considered how specific is the exercising of your authority, extending as it does into the myriad particulars of creation. There is no quarter over which you are not king. And then you continue to read on in a phrase that is, that is listed over and over again is what I began with. Our thoughts of you, O Lord, have been too small, too few. I wonder if you can identify with that this morning. The thoughts of God have been too small, too few. You see, friends, when we allow so many other things to occupy our minds, to occupy our imaginations, often our thoughts of God become too small and too few. And as a result, we don't come, as the psalmist does here, clapping your hands, praising God, right? Because our thoughts are too small and too few of him. We live out of the mundane things of this day. What I hope and pray this morning as we unpack this psalm, Psalm 47, is that the Lord would so stir in your heart, I would pray a new passion for Christ our King, a new celebration, not just once on a Sunday morning, but a celebration that would really become a rhythm in our lives every single day. Because when we know who Christ our King is, 
Friends, he is worth celebrating. And yes, as odd as it may be for some, clapping our hands at times, raising our hands, praising him because he is Lord and King and he's ruling and reigning over everything in your life and in mine. Three things we're going to look at through this passage is this. First, praising God as King reminds us of who God is. And that stirs up gratitude and renew hope in our lives. That's the first thing. Secondly, praising God as king, it reshapes how we view ourselves. And you'll see what I mean by that in a moment. And the third thing that we're going to look at this morning through this passage is praising God as king reorients us to who is really in control among us today. And that is something that we definitely need to be reminded of. So first, let's look at this. Praising God as king reminds us of who God is, and it stirs up hearts of gratitude uh, and gratefulness uh, and and praise to God. So I named it the psalmist in the first three verses we read, Clap your hands, all peoples. Shout to God with loud songs of joy. For the Lord, the Most High, is to be feared, a great king over all the earth. He subdued peoples under us and nations under our feet. Friends, as we turn our eyes to Christ, our King, we're reminded as the psalmist leads us that there is a King over all the earth. And and he he wrote that he subdues peoples under us and nations under our feet. The idea that the psalmist has here in that statement, he's taking us all the way back to the beginning where we see God in a mighty way take his people, the Israelites, who were enslaved in Egypt for over 400 years. God heard their cry. God, being the ultimate king, went up against Pharaoh and won. He led his people in victory through the Red Sea. And when the Israelite army tried to follow, what happened? If you know the story, God closed the sea and they were all killed. He subdues people under us. There's a great picture here And a reminder that God is a rescuing God. That's who our king is. When we think about, friends, as you read through the pages of scriptures, what we find are just countless mighty acts of God on our behalf. You want to know what kind of king our God is. We read through the scriptures, he's a king of goodness. He rules with love and justice, with righteousness and with compassion. And as we continue to read in the Scriptures, we we gain a better understanding of who this king is, right? We we, we often think of a king, a ruler, as this great, strong, and mighty, victorious ruler, right? God is that. But I wonder how this fares with your imagination of who our king is. The prophet Isaiah wrote this in Isaiah 53. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquity. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And by his wounds we are healed. Think about that for a description of our king. Many would look at him and did look at him. And they turned away. I don't want that kind of leader. But friends, that's the kind of king that we ultimately need, isn't it? Because that's the kind of king who is our defending, rescuing king. That, that who would have thought that God in his mercy and grace would enter into this sinful, broken world in which we live and actually take on flesh and blood 
Jesus, the second person of the Trinity, came among us. And this description in Isaiah describes him as he went to the cross to bear your sins and to bear mine, to bear our shame and guilt. That's what the king had to do if you and I were going to live in victory. Now, I don't know any other kind of king or, or God, if you will, in this world that would do something like that. But friends, this is who our God is, our king. And I believe we need to be reminded over and over of the glorious, mighty works of our God. One of the things we see in this psalm in verse 5, that, that it's, a, it's a messianic psalm. They may say, what does that mean? Well, it's a psalm that points us to Jesus as Messiah. Listen to what the psalmist wrote in verse 5. He wrote, God has gone up with a shout, the Lord with the sound of a trumpet. Remember our king on the cross and the, the heading we, we just heard a moment ago said this is the king of the Jews. So he was crucified, but that wasn't the end of the story. He was buried and he rose from the grave. That's the victorious reality of our king. But that wasn't the end of the story. Because later Christ ascended and he is now seated at the right hand of his father in heaven. Now you may wonder, what does that mean and why is that important? Well, it says he went up with a shout. So we know he, was, he ascended into heaven. And the whole picture of Jesus being seated is a picture of his rule and his reign. Because when one is seated at the right hand in that way, it's a picture of a ruler. It's a picture of a ruler who is active in our midst today. You see, God didn't just create this world, as some might say, and watch it spin, as it will, on a globe, that God is out there somewhere just watching things unfold. No, that's not it at all. We have a God, a king, who was seated on his throne, who was ruling and reigning over every element of this world. We've got a king who is ruling and reigning over every part of your life today. So whatever is before you, whatever you think, is, is this going to come together? Is this going to work out? Or, 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 or I'm just faced with a bunch of unknowns. I want you to hear today, we serve a king who is ruling and reigning. They are not unknowns to him. He knows exactly what you and I need. And that's what we need to be reminded of over and over and I love it in here because the psalmist writes, sing praises to God, sing praises, sing praises to our king, sing praises. Oh, friends, how I pray that that really would be a reality of our lives today. What would it be like to, to be someone who gets up in the morning and you begin to think, wow, I'm going to reorient my mind to who my king is and remembering his mighty works or at the end of the day, stopping and taking a few moments before you go to sleep and recount the mighty deeds of God that you saw, how he moved in your life in that particular day. Friends, I believe it is so important for us to begin to develop rhythms of our lives as we follow Jesus, rhythms that help us walk with him faithfully in the journey ahead. But like every rhythm, it's not, it doesn't come natural to us, does it? And a lot of times we, we don't do things because we don't really feel like it, right? But sometimes what we need to do is begin to practice even when we don't feel like it. Because as you know, practice does reshape our lives. I kind of liken it to this. You would say, many would say, you know, it's important to read the scriptures every single day. And you might go, yeah, I know 
but I don't. <laughs> I, I, I want to, but I don't. And sometimes I just don't want to, and so I don't, right? And, and, and if, that, if that's the rhythm, then, then a lot of times it's going to end up being, no, I didn't. But if you say, I'm going to do this even though I don't feel like it, I'm going to develop a rhythm that that would begin to then jumpstart my heart, if you will, to get into a reg- regular rhythm. It's kind of like that with praising God, isn't it? Times we don't feel like it, we're, we're, our minds don't automatically go to recounting God's mighty acts. But I believe that our hearts would be stirred to praise and thanksgiving the more you and I take time to remember the mighty acts of God. So I want to encourage you this Thanksgiving. On Thursday, many of us are going to be around a table with family or friends. I want to encourage you to take time, take moments in that day to recount whether it's through the scriptures, the mighty acts of God that you remember, or just reflecting on ways that you've seen God's hand move mightily in your life in this year. Even in the midst of tragedy and difficulty, God is Lord and King and moving among us today. I will tell you that will reshape your day if that becomes, if you allow that to become a rhythm in it this Thanksgiving in particular. So that's the first thing, is that we need to remember what he's done, because in remembering, our hearts are stirred to praise and worship him in the way that he is worthy of it. The second thing we see here is this, that praising God as king, it reshapes us on how we view ourselves. Most of us have to have our lives reshaped, (laughs) because if we're honest with ourselves, we would rather say, I want to be the king. I want to be the queen, right? The common thread throughout all humanity is one thread, and it's that we all long to be autonomous. We don't want anyone ruling or reigning over us. We would rather say, as the little kids will often say, it's mine, I'm going to do it myself. I don't need anyone's help, right? We're a little more sophisticated than that. That's not how we normally say it. But, friends, we've seen this played out throughout history. That that common thread of all humanity is we long to be autonomous and we don't want someone else ruling over us. I was reading a history book the other day and I came across this picture, a picture of a sculpture that Michelangelo sculpted, that great Renaissance artist. It's a series of four sculptures and it's a picture, each one depicts a male figure with strong muscles trying to break out of the marble slab that he's in. It's a pretty powerful picture when you see it because you can really see the the way that Michelangelo uh, sculpted this. You see the muscles, the strength, and just trying to break out and break free. And I thought about that in relation to how many of us live our lives. We think that we can break free on our own. We don't need anybody else's help. We think that we can break free from all the restraints around us. Again, it's a picture of saying, I can do it myself, right? I don't need someone ruling over me. And all of this derives from that humanistic thought, doesn't it? That that man begins with himself and ends with himself. There is no God. There is no need for God. We can figure it out on our own. There are no need for moral absolutes or absolute truths because we can create whatever ones we want on our own. We want to be our own kings. We want to be our own queens. The great danger in this, and look, you can look throughout history and you see the societies play it out. Societies will fall apart 
living in this way. Societies will live in chaos when we operate out of a void of absolute truth. Societies will crumble and fall when there's the absent recognition of a divine sovereign ruler over all. And friends, I think about where we are today in our culture here, and that's what's going on in our culture here today. It's very real. It's very prevalent right where we are. We're watching it played out. There's also another place that this is played out in our own lives. And I would ask you, I wonder, do you see or how do you see this idea of you wanting to be your own king or you wanting to be your own queen? How do you see that played out in your life today? How do you see that played out in the relationships that you have Maybe at home, friendships, in the workplace. You see, when we often live our lives that we have no need for God, we are going to take that role. And we will take it on. And friends, I will tell you, it will be destructive. Because that's not how we were intended to live. You know why? Because there is a God. There is a King. It is not you and it's not me. It's the Lord Jesus Christ. And He is ruling and reigning on his throne. What we need, friends, is to be reminded of this and turn our eyes back that we would then be reshaped around his lordship, his kingdom, not about trying to create a kingdom of our own. That's the second thing that we see here. And and the last one is this, that, that praising God reorients us to who is ultimately in control Some of you may know this, but Christ the King Sunday, which is this Sunday, the last day of the church liturgical calendar, next Sunday begins Advent, which is the beginning of our year, if you will. But Christ the King Sunday was first recognized in 1925. Think about what was going on in that time in the country and in the world. It was after World War I, before World War II, Pope Pius XI established this Sunday as Christ the King Sunday to counter what he regarded was the destructive forces of the modern world. He recognized secularism coming into the West. He recognized and saw communism in Russia. He saw fascism in Italy and in Spain. And he saw the beginnings of Nazism in Germany. And he said, we need a day in the church to remember that there is one God, one King, and one Lord over all, and his name is Jesus Christ. None of those rulers pale in comparison to the reality that this world is governed. Every nation is overseen by one King over all creation. And it's because of that that we read these words in Psalm 47, uh, verses 7 and 8. For God is the king of all the earth. Sing praises with a song, with a psalm. God reigns over the nations. God sits on his holy throne. Friends, we need to be reminded that there is one God and king over everything that's before us today. As I thought about this, that what, the picture that kept coming to mind is this. There's a fire that I, have, I believe has been ignited in the church today. Sadly, I don't believe it's a fire of revival, or it, nor is it a fire of a fresh burning of the Holy Spirit. It's kind of fresh wave among us today. It's a different kind of fire. It's a fire of fear. It's a fire of fear that I believe is spreading rapidly in the churches today. 
You know, it's not hard to recognize that we are now living in a post-Christian culture. That's a reality. Things have changed, and they're going to continue to change. But I see this change is producing great fear in many people today. I see this fear, that this change is creating great disruption in the church. And when I look at something like this, my, my, my counseling background goes to go, okay, what's underneath it? What's fueling this fire that I think is being, being, being uh, uh, raged in the church today? And I think there's three things, just to name briefly, that come to mind. First is this. We fear when our security, those things that we've sought to find our safety in, those Christian liberties or religious freedoms are being taken away. Fear sets in, doesn't it? Fear sets in when we feel like we're losing control. And I hear that a lot of people saying, we're losing control. Things are out of control, right? We also fear when our comfortable lives are being shaken. So let me ask you this. In your fear, what do you turn to? In your fear, who do you turn to? How have you been responding to things going on around us today? Are you turning to a political leader to save and rescue you? You hope is going to save and rescue the church? Friends, I am watching people all over the place running to various political leaders, giving them their allegiance and even their worship, hoping that they will save and rescue us from the evils around us. Friends, let me tell you, that is a lie and a trap that we don't need to be getting into. There is not a leader on the face of this earth who's going to do what only our King, the Lord Jesus Christ, can do. What we need to do is stop running and looking to all those other people out there that we think, if you're in, that we, you'll do this for us, you'll do that for us. Yes, we need to elect leaders who will lead and govern in a way that will honor and glorify the kingdom of God. But friends, they are not going to be our saviors. Leaders will rise and fall. We've seen it throughout history. But what we need to do, I believe, in the church today to calm the fear is to turn our eyes back to King Jesus, the one who alone rules and who alone is guiding us in all the things ahead. There's no doubt that things are rapidly changing very fast here. Friends, we don't need to to fear living in a post-Christian culture. It's not the first time this has happened in the history of the world. I see it as a tremendous opportunity for the church today to live into what it looks like to be the people of God, how we live in community with one another, that the world would see our King, right? How we are loving and caring for one another, how we are speaking truth in love, seasoned with grace as Jesus did. You see, what we need are our eyes on the ultimate King, been reading through the book of Acts lately, and, and I'm reminded all over again, I love it, because what you see in the early church, these new followers of Jesus uh, growing, the church is growing, but all of a sudden persecution is setting in, and it is an intense persecution where people are being scattered all over the place. But what did the Christians do? Did they hide themselves in their homes and lock their doors for fear? <laughs> did, did, did they run and go hide? No, you know what they did? They got out in the community. Yes, they were persecuted, but guess what they did? They gave testimony to who the real king is. They gave testimony to the Lord Jesus Christ who alone saves. And because of that, the church grew. Friends, that's our calling today. 
what we need so much, and, and, and I, I'm convicted as much as others may be, <laughs> the question is, what are we giving our attention to, right? I think about it often, about how much time do I give, how much time do you give? Watching the news, <laughs> listening, reading uh, podcast, listening to podcasts, reading uh, other social media things, all about what's going on in our country and the world today. How much time do you give to that compared to how much time you give to the Word of God? That's challenging, isn't it? But you see, whatever we give our time to, guess what? That's what's going to form and shape our lives. Whatever we're giving the bulk of our time to. And when we give the bulk of our time to the Lord Jesus Christ, when we pour into His Word, when we stop and meditate on it, when, when, when we offer up praise and prayers to God, that begins to reshape our lives around the kingdom of God as opposed to this world. But I will say, and here's the charge and challenge for us in the church today, I hear so many in the church are giving themselves to everything else out there and very little of this. It's no wonder why there's fear and disruption like there is. Let me tell you, friends, when we turn our eyes back to God, that is going to dispel the fear And it's going to give us the boldness and the courage and the joy and the strength to live as followers of Jesus today, to see his kingdom come among us in ways like never before. Friends, let me end with this. No no human leader has ultimate authority. There is only one God, one king, and his name is Jesus Christ. What we need is to be reminded of his mighty works when challenges come our way, and reorder our lives around him. And we need to remember, friends, that there is one God. He isn't dead. He's alive, ruling, and reigning for your good and for mine to see our lives and this world flourish with freedom and hope and grace. Amen? Let me pray. Father, we thank you for your word. Oh, how we need it. Thank you for the way you challenge us. Thank you for the way that you remind us of of the riches of your mercy and grace upon us. Oh, Lord, as I I started this off, how often our, our thoughts of you are far too small and far too few. May that change today. On this Christ the King Sunday, may we so see you and hail you as our King and Savior and Lord. That no longer would we be characterized by people whose thoughts are too small and too few of you. But may we see you high and lifted up. Develop daily rhythms of new worship, renewed worship. And may you and your mercy bring your kingdom among us in greater and greater ways. We bless you that you are our reigning, ruling king. It's in your name that we pray. Amen.